Protein prices have increased rapidly over the past 24 months amid a broader press of inflation. With inflation at its highest rate in more than 40 years, the question becomes how long beef, pork, and poultry prices can remain at such elevated levels before consumer demand erodes significantly. Welcome to Feedstuff's In Focus, our podcast taking a deeper look at the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and animal feed industries. I'm your host, Andy Vance. Thanks for joining us today. This episode is sponsored by United Animal Health, a leader in animal health and nutrition. You can learn more about United Animal Health and how they're working to advance animal science worldwide by visiting the website unitedanh.com. David Williams is Senior Vice President of Procurement and Management at CTI Foods, based in Texas. In this episode, Williams, a longtime analyst of the meat markets, discusses the current state of the animal protein trade with an eye toward the implications of sustained food price inflation on demand and how those same factors will influence the supply side of the equation over the next 12 to 24 months. We'll also discuss the persistent drought in cattle country and why Williams says most analysts are severely underestimating just how much the cattle herd is shrinking as producers struggle in the absence of hay and pasture. David, I want to set the stage for this. You uh, and I were reading a piece that the University of Illinois put out on their great farm doc blog that I think really puts a lot of things into perspective. Food prices are are climbing we know that that's not a surprise, but the pace of inflation, particularly in the food price space, highest it's been since 1979, uh, which, you know, food price inflation is is not something that is just all of a sudden popped out of the woodwork. We know prices have been coming up basically in this post-pandemic era for a while now. But when you talk about a, a generation, generational increase here, that's got to have some consequences doesn't it what are you seeing right now in the marketplace and do you think we have reached any kind of peak in terms of food price inflation and, and how rapidly these prices can appreciate yeah i mean i andy it's great questions great uh, commentary uh i believe that uh you know this is something that really has uh, been a tidal wave of price increases on this situation um you know there's a lot of factors involved in it uh it's not just um, one single thing that you can point to, um, you know, you have to point to, you know, what is the, the cost of labor at the retail store or what's the cost of labor at the restaurant? Um, you know, we have people that are um, willing to work, but we have others that are not. Um, so, you know, we have reduced hours um, at all of those levels. Um, then you have a supply chain that, um, you know, has the same problem with labor. Um, you know, how do you get people to come to work in a facility for $20 an hour or $25 an hour? Um, that's the question, um, you know, in an environment that's cold, wet, um, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, not the easiest job to, to handle. So, you know, to get, you know, everybody expects their food when they go to the grocery store or they go in a restaurant, they go, it'll be there. Um, and I can pick and I can choose and, and Americans have, you know, we've been very, very lucky to be able to have many, many choices um, in our food selection and have no issues with that. But that cost is only going up. Um, I think it will continue to go up. Um, I do believe that we are at a kind of a, um, a leveling off period. Um, a couple of things are that are helping to kind of do that is the diesel price 
has uh, subsided a little bit, um, come down. Um, you know, everybody kind of forgets that uh, diesel uh, really makes uh, everything kind of get to where it needs to get. Um, so, you know, you put that on top of that when we had diesel over $5 uh, for a national average, you know, I mean, somebody had to pay for that and the consumer has to pay for it. So, you know, with it coming back down a little bit, so that means those surcharges should um, at least uh, stay the same or actually be uh, repealed back a little bit. Um, so that'll help. Um, but, um, you know, the consumer has uh, gotten a little bit more pickier. Um, so demand um, is down. Um, that would be on beef, uh, pork, and chicken. Um, you're seeing that in the, some of the prices. Uh, we've seen that, especially in chicken, where basically Memorial Day, we topped out at the 365, 360 uh, plus on uh, boneless, skinless uh, chicken breasts. Um, today, we're sitting there at uh, 218 um, and kind of leveled off here for a hot second. But uh, I still think after Labor Day, we'll probably start to, to trend down. Um, so, you know, there is more chicken out there. And then the consumer, you know, at the retail level, paying, you know, five, six dollars uh, a pound has said, mm, maybe I'll, I'll still buy what I need or maybe I'll buy once a week, but I'm not going to buy any extra. That's for sure. Um, same thing has happened on the beef side, on the ground beef, uh, or steaks, or middle meats. Um, so, you know, we're starting to see a little bit of a, a downward uh, push, um, but we'll probably see a lot more as we get after Labor Day. Uh, pork was probably the biggest winner over the, the whole summer, uh, especially in a June, July uh, timeframe in mid-August. Um, prices kept going up. Uh, the consumer uh, saw that as a value at the retail level. Um, but, you know, really since the middle of August, that really has kind of started to pull back. Uh, butts have really started to pull back. We, ha we actually had back ribs um, at all time lows um, here uh, a few weeks ago. So, um, you know, um, that has a lot to do with food service and, and really the price of that. Um, so, you know, we have a, a definitely a consumer that is uh, being pickier or choose what they want to spend their money on. Um, again, we all have budgets between, uh, you know, what is what costs for to cool our homes or for gas to get to work. Um, and then, you know, back to school items, everything's up. So it's really kind of, it's hurting the families, um, you know, and so how did, everybody's got to choose to spend on something. So, but they're still going to eat. The, the, the question is, is what will they choose? I want to drill in on each of those proteins you highlighted and, and, and let's start with beef just because I know that's near and dear to both our hearts uh, as, as guys who like to throw some steaks on the grill or smoke a brisket from from time to time. I've been a little surprised just as as a shopper myself and go into the meat case each week and, and we'll put beef, pork and chicken in our uh, grocery basket pretty much week in, week out the resiliency in the price of beef at retail that it, and, you, and you highlighted it's it, we have seen some but it hasn't been a huge pullback uh like maybe i might have as a wannabe economist expected with prices as high as they had been um for for a while now what's the long-term perspectives and i guess long-term I'll, I'll say here over the next 12 months look like for retail beef prices do you do you expect to see some additional retrenchment there, or is the supply situation such that these prices are going to hold at retail for, for a while now? Yeah, I think a little bit of uh, 
you know, I think the retail is going to try to do everything they can to hold in there. I think there will be um, a little bit lower prices here in the fall. Um, I think there's going to be a slight reprieve on the beef side for the next three to five months. Um, and then we will have the supply shock come back around and hit us. Um, and then we'll be off to the races with the much higher prices uh, on the live side. Um, you know, we'll have a full effect of our extra feed cost. Um, all those things will be in effect for 2023. So I think we're in for slightly lower prices, uh, retail and possibly food service here in uh, the fall. But I think that's a uh, kind of a blip on the screen if you, uh, you know, look at the long term. Um, and then we'll be off to the races for 2023, 2024 and 2025. And, and it's really hard to say after you know, what will 2025 look like, but, uh, you know, that could be the, the top of the situation. Um, but we're, we're definitely going to have to pay for the liquidation of all of these cattle in the U.S. and the numbers behind that. And then kind of how do we settle into feeding animals uh, on the cattle side at, you know, let's just call it six to seven dollar corn. Um, and that puts everything uh, in perspective. High feed prices are are certainly one thing, but in so many parts of cattle country, persistent drought is, I mean, it it the new normal. I I guess maybe you would say that you're part of the world. Uh, certainly, it's not been a, a fun summer if you're trying to keep cows. Uh, do we have a good handle on just how significant the liquidation of the cow herd is at this point? Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I think we're we probably have underestimated how many cows have disappeared out of the country. I mean, because again, I think demand has been so good. Um, you know, a lot of our suppliers on the cow side have said they've had plenty of uh, opportunity to kill more animals um, and harvest more animals. Uh, they just can't get enough labor to get it done. So, but then they haven't really seen, you know, if you look at beef 90 prices, yeah, they were at, in the 280s, uh, you know, upper 270s, and they've come down uh, 10 cents or so. But if you look at all the high amounts of cow kill across the country, um, you know, really it hasn't broken very much. So I think it, you know, demand is kind of uh, uh, hidden some of that. Um, so that's what's really been the surprise. But I, I believe that we've definitely the Western states, the mid, mid middle part of the country, Texas, Oklahoma and Kansas, we've seen a gigantic liquidation of, uh, of cows. And, uh, you know, and, and as far as the drought, you know, I mean, there was definitely some more stuff that came out uh, the end of last week and over the weekend where, you know, it looks like it's, uh, you know, it's going to be an issue here at least through uh, beginning of uh, January of 2023. So not a whole lot to change in the patterns. Um, so that really doesn't give you know, if the ones that have been holding out, they're going to have to say, well, I'm going to have to hold all the way out till next uh, March or April. Um, so, you know, I've got to make sure I have enough, you know, kind of what is my feeding cost going to be? And and we've seen round bell cost and mineral cost here in Texas just go through the roof. Um, so I know they're, they're suffering out there and I know that everybody has to make their own choices on how much uh, cows that they, uh, you know, want to keep on their uh, pasture. Um, and how much they uh, must need to let go of. So there's just an economic situation there. And right now they're, they're definitely under a lot of stress. Yeah, uh, it's tough to read some of those signals, right? Because on the one hand, you'd say, gosh, these 
high prices might induce you to want to feed more cattle or keep more cows. On the other hand, high feed prices might make you think, gosh, I don't know if I can afford to feed more cattle, keep more cows. And then the ultimate reality is, is if you can't feed them because you don't have access to hay or pasture or whatnot, it's sort of a, of a moot point. Looking at the hog side, let's shift over there. You talked earlier about that sector being kind of the big winner of the summer with customers at retail, maybe balking more at, at beef and chicken prices. And I, I would tend to agree with you. There were a number of times I walked past the meat case and said, doggone, that pork loin looks like a pretty good deal to me. We got a whole pork loin in the refrigerator right now, as it turns out, uh, to, to further illustrate the point. But we did see uh, here recently pretty good um, decline in in hogs. What's going on there in that marketplace? And, and is there any disconnect between what's happening at retail and what we're seeing in lean hog prices? Yeah, so a little bit of it is is we we definitely had a very uh, good summer uh, for uh, pork demand. Uh, we also had a Mexico um, that really is you know has always been a gigantic export partner, but uh, really was kind of the savior for the pork market uh, from an export standpoint. Uh, they bought a lot of bone-in hams. There was a lot of deals done. Uh, Mexico really has that was their only choice. You know, they do buy a lot of our dark meat turkey that just has not, does not exist here right now with the uh, uh, avian flu situation that happened uh, in the winter and the spring. Uh, so Mexico was really, really big buyer of those, those items. Um, and then, like you said, you know, I mean, pork loin, um, it was just the value. I mean, and you had uh, uh, Boston butts, they were a value. Um, they definitely were there. Ribs were a value. So if you look at anything compared to chicken or to beef, um, pork was the winner. Um, so, but those prices kept going up um, and kind of peaked out at the middle of August. And, you know, consumers were like, oh, well, they kind of caught up. The ratios kind of caught up with chicken. They caught up with beef. Um, so, you know, it wasn't necessarily, uh, you know, the cheaper item it was in June and July. So, you know, and then you have a seasonal more push for more animals, uh, lower demand um, that all happens here um, at the back half of August and into September and then October. So, you know, we have a lot more animals coming uh, on the supply side. And so that's where uh, pork will, will, will continue to move downward uh, here as we get into the fall. I want to finish up a little bit with the poultry sector. You alluded earlier to uh, boneless chicken prices or, you know, we'd seen Boneless breasts come back down. They'd been much, much higher than they were a year ago. Now back toward 2021 levels. What are the dynamics at play there? And does that trend back up here into fall or do retailers decide to do some discounting to keep people engaged? Yeah, I think a little bit of it is we'll, we'll definitely be back below last year's prices here in the fall. Um, we do have more supply coming. Uh, here in the fall timeframe, um, you know, and so, you know, that'll put pressure under uh, prices. Uh, but I believe, you know, we, we won't see probably a um, chicken increase until we get to March, April of uh, 2023. Um, so, you know, will we be, uh, you know, heavy supplied, uh, you know, kind of in those dynamics and, and chicken will be more of a value uh, for the consumer as we get through the winter. Um, as a retailer, will lower those prices back to, I call it, more traditional numbers. So, 
you know, if you're used to getting chicken breast at two ninety nine or uh, you know three fifty, I believe that's where that number will be at from a retail standpoint. Um, kind of as we get into uh, the middle of fall and the middle of winter, um, you know. But again, from a cost standpoint, I could see that going up into the second quarter, um, you know, when grilling season starts uh, for 2023. And then if we have this uh, grain price because of uh, the weather situation premium, both in Brazil and in the U.S., um, I just see chicken not really, uh, you know, staying down forever. And then basically maybe not definitely not taking out what we had last year, but, uh, or this year, uh, but, you know, being higher than, than the price that we'll have for the fall and the winter. I want to finish up our conversation, David, getting your, your insights into the supply chain more generally, logistics. You, you've been a, a great source for us to get a handle on what's happening with, with trucking, shipping, all of the various channels by which we move livestock and, of course, maybe more importantly, the, the finished product, as it were. How different are things today than they were, say, a year ago when we were having this conversation as the system loosened up any there in terms of, of of availability you mentioned earlier diesel costs coming down some granted we're still much much higher than we were you know 18 months uh, even less ago what's your read on the current state of the nation's food supply chain in in terms of the logistical side yeah i think it's still very very tight very very tough um you know we've uh seen uh you know major trucking uh companies continue to raise the the cost or the the opportunity for drivers to come to work for them um and has that made a dent a little bit absolutely um you know it's it's gotten some people to switch over to it but it's still at a uh a big time deficit um so you know we still i think everyone struggles um with trucking and distribution on a daily basis and it's uh it's tough. Um, you've got to have your partners. You've got to have your uh, dedicated lines. You've got to have um, all those things kind of guaranteed. Uh, there's just not a whole lot of spot out there uh, to, to uh, you know, uh, empty drivers or empty trucks to be able to, to get things if logistically happens. Um, you know, and as we move into winter, uh, it only makes it worse, um, you know, because again, not that, uh, you know, you kind of take it in your own personal life. Uh, everybody likes to spend time with their family on Thanksgiving. Uh, everybody likes to spend time during the Christmas holidays. Well, guess, I mean, again, our logistics uh, partners, our truck drivers, our uh, folks, you know, that, that's also when we're consuming the most amount of food um, in that time frame, And we want to be able to refill, restock. And it takes people to work during that time. And so we always struggle. Um, so this year probably will be no different. Um, you know, so we could see some supply chain issues. And then, you know, depending on uh, weather is always a big variable. Um, you know, as we move into that January, February and March timeframe, uh, we will have logistical uh, situations because of weather. And that will cause uh, a lot of problems as trucks are stranded and, uh, those uh, meat will not be able to get to where it needs to go. So it's just, uh, you know, it, it, it does happen and, you know, we'll have to work through that. Uh, we're constantly, uh, you know, looking at better ways to, to manage our uh, supply chain. My thanks to David Williams of CTI Foods for his insights into a dynamic marketplace and what those trends hold for livestock and animal feed producers in the years ahead. You can read more of our coverage of these markets in the August issue of Feedstuffs, hot off the proverbial presses this week, 
You can find that by visiting feedstuffs.com and clicking on Digital Editions. This episode was sponsored by United Animal Health, a leader in animal health and nutrition. You can learn more about United Animal Health and how they're working to advance animal science worldwide by visiting the website unitedanh.com. I'm Andy Vance, and you've been listening to Feedstuffs in Focus. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to hear more conversations about some of the big issues affecting the livestock, poultry, grain, and animal feed industries, subscribe to this podcast on your favorite platforms, including Apple and Google Podcasts, or just check out our website, feedstuffs.com, for future episodes. Until next time, have a great day, and thanks for listening.